Our guest speaker today is Dave Adams. Dave and his wife Megan serve as missionaries from our church to the Dominican Republic. Let's just get into what, what God has for us today, and um, so let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for today. I just thank you for, for this church and the blessing that it's been in the lives of Megan and I and our whole family, Lord, and we just pray that uh, you would just continue to bless them and continue to bless us through them, Lord, and Lord, we just pray for this message that you have for us today, Lord, that we would just be able to apply to each one of our lives. And we just pray that, especially through this season, that we can just stay 100% focused on you among all the, all the other fun things that we get to do, spending time with family and presents and things like that, but that we would just be always focused on you and what this really means and, and what you did for us. And uh, we just thank you and we love you. And in your name, amen. Um, I told Chuck, I don't know how he does it. I'm way too ADD to just stay right here on, on the thing. So I like to pace around a little bit for those of you who have, for those of you who have heard me speak in the past. Um, so this is a, a devotion I do with the groups when they come down. And uh, so it's, it's been really impactful. I've gotten a, a real good response back from this. And I feel like every time I, I speak about this, something, something comes up in my own life that it's like, man, that's, that's something that really, really spoke to me also. And so when I first got this, the guy, Nate, who's in charge of it, said, Dave, your study's going to be out of 2 Timothy 1.1. I said, 2 Timothy 1.1, that's a letter from Paul. I'm pretty sure he just introduces himself, but all right, let's see what, let's see what 1 Timothy 1.1 says. It says, this is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of, of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. I said, all right, great. How long do I got to speak on this? It's a normal time, like a half an hour. Said, oh, yeah? Great. So, but as we, as we get through it, uh, as we're going through it, it was just interesting. This just came very much to, to a way of, like, how do we identify ourselves? And how do we use our, like, gifts? And, and it, 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 I want to talk a little bit about how we identify ourselves and, like, our gifts versus our callings and things like that. So the first thing... Um, as you go through, you say, okay, well, how, did Paul, how does Paul identify himself in the beginning of all of his letters? Anybody know when you read through all of Paul's letters, what does he always introduce himself as? A servant of Jesus, as, as an apostle. Almost all of them, he says, an apostle of Christ, an apostle of Christ. Well, the thing to remember about Paul, like, okay, if you meet, if you meet Barack Obama or you meet George Bush or you meet whatever, how do they always introduce themselves? Hi, I'm president, whoever, right? Well, they're not the president anymore. But that's who they are from that point on, right? They are president, whoever. Well, that Paul was high up in the religious, you know, now it's not, you know, to be a missionary or a pastor, you want to see a conversation, you know, come to a stop real quick. Tell somebody what you do when you work in ministry. Like, oh, great, yeah, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a missionary. Oh, I got to go. All of a sudden, it's like not this, like, popular thing to be. You know, when you're out in the community, it's not necessarily a popular thing to be a pastor, a missionary, or like, oh, yeah, whatever. But back then, when you were a high-up Jewish leader, when you were a Pharisee, that was like just this super, like, area of respect and, and you were this, like, just great title to have. So, but Paul didn't go through and was like, yeah, I'm Paul, the former Pharisee. Paul just gave that all away, and he said, no, I'm an apostle of Christ. And if you look through in 1 Corinthians, he says, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. 2 Corinthians, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And it's the exact same thing in Ephesians and Colossians. And then you look again in, in Galatians, 
And he says, an apostle sent not from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That Paul knew through this whole thing that that's how he identified himself. He said, he didn't, he wasn't Paul the tent maker, he wasn't Paul the doctor, Paul the lawyer, Paul the this, that, or the other thing. He was Paul the apostle of Christ. And so the question is, is it, how are we identifying ourselves? How do we look at ourselves? Am I a doctor who happens to be a Christian? Am I a teacher who happens to believe in Christ? Do I run my own business and I happen to go to church on Sundays? Or is my first priority Christ and this is an area where I can, I can lift him up? I think that's the question we can all kind of look at, our, look at each of our own lives. Because like we said, Paul gave all that up. Man, he, he was up there. He was high up. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to be an apostle of Christ. And I'm going to suffer for Christ. It was interesting. Um, one of the groups that I had, we sit around and we kind of debrief at the, end of the, at the end of the trip. And they just say, like, hey, what's something you're going to take back with you? Like, what's something that really stuck out to you? And so there were two kids on this trip. This doesn't happen often. But there were two kids that were like, yeah, well, I was thinking about going into missions. And this just, like, really confirmed that that's what I want to do. So the second kid said the same thing, like, yeah, yeah, I've always, you know, I always thought, like, God would call me into ministry in some way, and I think I really want to serve overseas after this two-week trip. And then there was a third kid that said, well, I came into this trip not really knowing, but wanting to go to medical school, wanting to be a doctor, and after this trip, I know I don't want to do this. <laughs> he said, well, I'm glad you had fun, you know. <laughs> and so he sat there and he said, no, I, I know I don't want to be a missionary. And I said, that's fine. That's great. That you use no like that that you use this trip and you thought this wasn't what you wanted and God spoke to you and said no this isn't what I want for your life. We can't tons of people can't be called to go. The Bible says we all have different gifts, and what were we given those gifts for? We were given those gifts to minister to other people. I can't sing. I don't come up here and sing worship music. That would not be enjoyable for anybody. If I came up here and sang, Mary, did you know, you would have... Uh, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, right, exactly. But if you sent, if you sent Mrs. Crawley out to the baseball field in Buena Vista, the kids are going to be like, and she's doing what here? We had a... <laughs> quick story, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. We had a kid that came down a couple years back... He was like, I don't know anything about baseball. I don't play sports. I really like cars. I'm here because my friends are here or whatever. So we're like, great. And so the kids right away, they can pick up on it real quick when you know, you can't fake it around these kids. They know baseball. It's like, okay, he, he's on your team. All right, right field. <laughs> so he goes out there. He goes out there. We say, okay, just go in that closet, get a glove. You know, he didn't have his own glove. He'd go get a glove. Okay, great. Goes out there. Well, he got a left-handed glove, but he's right-handed. So he's got the glove on his right hand. Third inning. He does this for two innings, but, not, but a ball doesn't go out there. Third inning, ball goes rolling out there. He picks it up. He gets to about here, and he realizes, i got to throw this ball, and it's in the glove on the hand that I throw it. So he looks at the field, and he looks down at the glove, and he looks at the field, and he looks at and he just, like, lacrosse-style, like, slingshots this ball in. There wasn't a kid standing. They were all hunched over. Like, nobody caught that ball. Everybody was just on the ground laughing. People, it's, it was two years ago. They're all like, remember the Russian kid who threw his glove? And it's like, yeah, we remember. 
<laughs> but I tell you what, that kid had a lasting effect on that. <laughs> but, you know, he was never going to take over the men's sports site anytime soon. But he's working on cars now. He's a mechanic. And the problem is, we get these gifts, we get these gifts, and we, we wrap our identities in these gifts. And we sit there and we say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Okay, great. What are you going to do with that? Because that can't be, because the thing is, like, if, if you're a Christian, the Bible tells us very clearly, what is your calling? Your calling is to be a, an apostle of Christ and to share his word with other people. Your gift is just what puts you in different positions to be able to do that. That's all it does for you. What did you do to make you good at that? Of whatever your gift might be. I can talk to every person in here. Your gift might be a little bit different. Everybody's gift is going to be a little bit different. What are you doing with that gift for Christ? Because that's what it was. It was a gift. In another week, most of you are going to be... We did Christmas yesterday. So my kids were there under the tree, right? All the Santa came wrapping all these pre- unwrapping the gifts. Oh, Josh got whatever Josh got. Josh got everything. I don't even he's the only they're the only grandkids on both sides of the family. They got everything. No, I'm sitting there going, how am I gonna get that? And so they're they're unwrapping gifts. What did he do to deserve that gift? Well what he what he did was be the only grandkid on both sides of the family. But what did, he didn't earn that gift, right? That's what makes it a gift. You know, some of our boys this this during our Christmas party, a couple of them got a glove. Man, they're super excited. Right? Brand new glove. They can take it home, they can oil it, they can put the ball in it, put the rubber bands around it, get that pocket formed real nice. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's all right, stay with me. You just wrap it up, right? You can sleep with it under your pillow. You make sure nobody touches that glove. You can take perfect care of that. That's great because now you've taken that gift and used it to the max, right? What did you do to get that glove? What did he do to get that glove? Nothing. Nothing. It was a gift. And there's so many times you can say, you know, like I try to get all my boys to bat, similar to Mike Trout. I don't know if many of you guys know who Mike Trout is, but he's center fielder for the Los Angeles Angels. Man, that boy was... Unfortunately, he, his gift is baseball. Now, he's not using it for Christ. As far as I know, he's not a Christian. But man, he was blessed with the ability to play baseball. But what did he do to get that gift? Yeah, he can work really hard. He can take extra batting practice. He can take, well, how come he wasn't born without a leg like other people? That talent was God-given. Yeah, you can maximize your talent. But it was a God-given gift. Do you know why I'm not a doctor? Because I'm not smart enough. It's just plain and simple. I don't have that level of intelligence. God did not bless me with that level of thinking. Not to mention, if I saw somebody cut open, I'd probably throw up in them. That was not going to be an option for me. You know, people say, we tell, we tell our kids, oh, you can be anything when you want when you grow up. It's not true. I'm not going to tell my four-year-old that at this point. They're like, well, buddy, you're actually kind of limited. Right? Like... <laughs> Like the world's going to tell you, be whatever you want. But, but really, it's not true. We have, that, we have the options to be whatever we want. But really, you've been given gifts that, that steer you in different directions in life. And it's not by coincidence. It's because that's where God wants us to be. But so many times we get wrapped up in our gifts and we say, this is who I am. 
Say, okay, great. Let's say you are a doctor. Let's say you have this super high-level mode of thinking, right? Oh, you're the best surgeon. Let's say you're going to find the cure to cancer. Oh, that's awesome. Do you know how many people you can help with the cure to cancer? That's freaking great. If they die, are they still going to hell? Because you didn't find the cure to death. So you find the cure to cancer. That's fantastic. So you tack 30 years onto their lives. If it's just delaying the inevitable, then who cares? If you're not going to share Christ with them, if you're not going to come alongside them, if you're not going to try to change hearts for Christ, what is an extra 30 years going to do for them? Just delay their trip to hell. That's all it's doing. But we sit there and we go, oh, well, I'm a doctor who happens to go to church on Sundays. Or I'm a doctor, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I can't talk about that at work because it's not what I do, because it's not acceptable or whatever it might be. That's not up to us. That's not up to us. Because, and your gifts can change. That's what's cool too, your gifts can change. But your calling, no matter what your situation is, your calling stays the same. Your calling stays the same. And I think that's so important to remember, that we get so lost sometimes in, in our circumstances and what we're doing. And then, and then you, you see people that just, something happens in their life and they just fall apart. And they just collapse. It's like, well, what happened? Well, our priorities were wrong. Because we put our job first in our lives. We put our family first in our lives. We put whatever, whatever it might be, first in your life. And then that thing gets taken away. And then what happens? Your whole system just crumbles. And you're left with nothing. Why? Because God wasn't at the top. God was number five, six, seven, eight on your list. And number eight on your list can't hold up your life. I hope. And these are all great things sometimes. Yeah, your job should be a higher priority in your life. Your family should be a high priority in your life. It shouldn't be the top priority in your life. All these things can be important, but what happens? The thing, you see people all the time that they, well, not all the time, but you see people, they, they might lose a loved one. They might lose a child. They might lose whatever. And you just watch their lives crumble. Down in the DR, my, my son, Josh, loves to ride on the motorcycle with me. Loves to ride on the motorcycle. My gra his grandparents love that he rides on the motorcycle with me. <laughs> it makes them so happy when he gets on the back of that motorcycle and we drive through the streets down there. Oh, they just think it's hilarious. <laughs> and guess what? There's a very real chance that somebody driving stupid runs into us. But I know if we had an accident and God forbid Josh died, my life would not be over. I would absolutely be devastated. Because my family is super important to me. But I know God would bring us through a tragedy like that. But what's at the top of your priority list? That's the question that each person in this room has to ask themselves. And the problem is, maybe you're on fire right now, and God is absolutely number one in your life, but other things always seem to creep in there at times. So what can we do to stay consistent in that? What can we do to say, no, Lord, I want to use my gifts for you. My gift is not who I am. Right? When we look at... We look at what the Bible says. It says in Ephesians 4, 4 to 8. 
There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. That is very much in contrary of what we, we are told in the world today. One God, one faith, that's it, the end, period. One way, the end. It's like, oh, that's not, that's not very accepting, that's not very tolerant, that's not very, I'm so sick of hearing people talk like that. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says there's one, and he gave gifts to each of us. Then in verses, skipping down to verses 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That right there is our job. That is our calling. To build up the body of Christ. To build up the body of Christ. We look at Romans 12.4. It says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Right? We don't all have the same function. We've all been given different gifts. Right? Our arm is not that important. Our leg is not that important. And I think that's the biggest thing that we realize, or that we need to realize. We're not that important. Our gifts are not that important. Because they were given to us. God tomorrow could just take that away from you and give it to somebody else. So you're like, fine, if you're not using it right, I'm going to put it over here and he'll use it right. Because we're not that important, we try to lift ourselves up and say, no, I'm at this level. I'm the top at this. I'm the best at this. I'm the whatever. Instead of saying, God, how can I use this for you? That's great if you're the top at something. Maybe you are the best at something. Maybe you are the top in your field, a like, uh, really high up business owner, or really high up in the financial world. I don't know, whatever it might be. Maybe you are the best. That's great. What are you going to do with it? For what purpose are you going to be the best? Because if it's not to build up the body of Christ, then we're doing it wrong. Then it's for nothing. You know, sometimes we have to bring, you know, Stuart and I have to bring ourselves back in sometimes. We're like, okay, well, we can get this kid better by doing this. We can get this kid better by doing this. And then we got to be like, no, no, no. We're here to change hearts. We're not here to perform major league players. If they want to make it to the major leagues, that's fantastic. And we will do everything we can to try to help them to that path. But again, if they're not, if they're not going to use that for Christ, then we fail. That's it. That if that's not our first priority at the sports site, then them becoming better baseball players, we're missing the mark. Then I'm wasting my time down there. And obviously that's always a temptation is to put that, that ahead of it. But you got, you, could you get your identity wrapped in something that's not it? And the other question too is, okay, you can sit here and I could ask probably anybody in this room and I say, oh, what's your first priority in life? Well, you're sitting in church. Of course you're going to, oh God, I'm Jesus. Right? We're not stupid. I'm not going to, oh, what's your first priority? My job. Really? Okay. Thanks for coming you know. We're, you know, we're going to answer accordingly. But what if I went to your job? And I asked the person that works next to you, hey, what's this guy's priority, top priority in his life? 
Is God, is, is your faith even going to come up on the radar? If I ask your kids, what's most important to your, your parents? Is God going to come up on the radar? Some of us, it's so far down on our priority list that people don't even know. People don't even know it's on the priority list, let alone at the top. Because if the people around us don't know that our top priority is Christ, it very well might not be. Because I'm not interested in what you say about your top priorities. I'm interested in what other people around you say about your top priorities. Because if you're not showing Christ to people, then it's probably not your top priority and we've got to figure some things out. People should know that's what you're about. If that's the most important thing in your life, then people around you should know it. That's what we should be talking about. That's what we should be sharing. If we think it's the most important thing in our lives, people should know that. You talk to me for 10 minutes, you know I love sports. Do you know I love God? I could talk all day about baseball, basketball, football, whatever. I'll talk to anybody about sports. Am I willing to talk to people about God? And that's the question we have. What is our top priority? Are we like Paul? Are we, are we able to just push everything down and say, this is where I'm at? We look in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 27. It just lists all the things that, that Paul went through. It's, it's not going to pop up, but it just in prison and got flogged and was just rejected by people and all this stuff just over and over and over. And say, it, again, it's in 2 Corinthians 11 if you want to look it up. But the thing is, in, in the middle of all these difficulties, Paul knew his calling. And he knew it wasn't about him. Because his gifts were given to him. He didn't earn them. They were given to him. To be able to be part of the body of Christ. Because the thing is, our gifts could leave like that. Like that. The guy, the guy that I work with, Surdom, when he was younger, he was in a baseball academy. He was left-handed, throwing around 90 miles an hour. There were people looking at him. Anyone knows anything about baseball? If you're a left-handed pitcher, you have even a, more ch- a better chance. And he blew out. He wasn't really a Christian at this time. He knew about God, but didn't know God. He blew out his shoulder. He spent three days just in his bed, just sobbing, because his life was over. As far as he was concerned at that point, his life was over. He had committed everything to baseball. And then he just fell in this depression of like, just what do I do now? Because it's gone. Because he threw one pitch, felt something weird, didn't like it, whatever, went to throw the other one, gone. After that, he could never even get back to 80 miles an hour. He was, it was it. He was done. And God wasn't his first priority. And he just lost it. That was it. And now look at what he's doing. God said, no, because I don't want you to go to the major leagues. I don't want you to do that. You're going to come into Buena Vista. And you're going to train all these kids. And you're going to teach them what Christ is like. He got introduced to Young Life. He was a leader there for a while. And then he, he wanted to do the same thing he was doing at Young Life, but with baseball. And now he's working. We work together, and it's been awesome. Man, his passion for these kids is unmatched. It's great. Because God took that gift of being able to throw that hard and said, look, I'm taking this away from you because you're not going to use it right. 
Seward will be the first one to tell you, if he would have signed a major league contract, gotten $100 million, whatever it might have been, there would have been no God ever mentioned in, his, in, in, in the credit, the glory, whatever you want to call it. It would have all been him, all what he did, all this stuff. Now he gets to work with youth and bring them up for Christ. It's been awesome. But now he's got his priorities in line. I think that's the coolest part about the body of Christ. Think about your own body, right? When we, when we start to get attacked, right? I'm not talking about you getting a fight. I'm talking about like three huge dudes with bats just start wailing on you. What do you do? You curl in. You get into the fetal position. Why do people curl in? Because it protects your heart, which is the most important part of your body. Which is the body, which is Christ. And the body of Christ is the heartbeat, right? And all our limbs, all our everything just curls in to protect that. We aren't the heart. We aren't that important. Are you willing to be one of those extremities that comes in and protects God to, to lift him up? Or are we just so concerned in what we're doing, right? Nobody's ever been attacked and just gone, oh man, right? You, it's just natural. That's what we're supposed to do. Nobody's ever been like, well, he would have survived if he didn't just like spread eagle while they were beating him up, right? That, that's never happened. Like, you just curl it. That's what you do. You, you protect and you lift up the most important part of your body. Think about when you get hypothermia, people who die of hypothermia. They start, you, you, your blood starts leaving your extremities and going to your heart because that's what it's going to protect first. Because you can live without an arm. You can't live without a heart. Not for very long, anyway. Right? But are we willing to take that step and say, Lord, you have to be first priority. This has to be the top. What are we letting creep in? And how, do we, how are we going to get that, to get that right, to set that back up where it needs to be? What are we going to do to make sure God stays at the first priority? Are we able to get uncomfortable in our sin and get rid of whatever it is that's creeping into, and it might not be sin that's creeping into the, to the number one spot. Like we said before, it could be really good things like family. But if your family's first priority, we're still not, not where we need to be. I had a youth pastor that used to say, if you have something, if you have something your top priority that the world can take away, it probably will. If you're doing things the right way for Christ. If you're a lukewarm Christian that's not really talking to people, that's not really reaching out, Satan's going to leave you alone. You're not bothering him. He can deal with one Christian that's not, that's not sharing their faith. That's not a big deal. He can live with that. He's got more important fish to fry. But if you're somebody who's on fire for Christ, that's reaching out to people, that's, that's discipling people, that's coming alongside other believers, that's strengthening the body of Christ... That whatever's in that priority will get taken away to break you. So many times we think, man, why is this happening to me? God, you know, I thought it was supposed to be easy once I gave my life to Christ. No, if you're actually following Christ, it's supposed to be difficult. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we're promised. That's what we should be expecting. Don't expect it. Don't, don't be surprised when Satan tries to knock, you, to knock you for a loop or whatever you want to call it. Expect it. It's what should happen. And I think that's, what, that's why Paul was able to stay so, 
so steady in what he was doing. All these things kept happening to him. And he just took it as, man, I must be doing things the right way. If all this, if, it, if Satan just keeps coming, then I must be bothering him. Because if it's been super easy, it's probably not been done right. If it's been super easy, it's probably not been done right. So what can we do to make sure God stays at that first priority? What can we do to make sure our gifts are being used for his glory? That he gave to us so that we could use for him. That's what we just read in those verses in Ephesians. That's the whole point of what we do. So I want to take a minute to pray as we close. And just to just that we can remind ourselves that our circumstances, our gifts, our call, our, what we're called to might change, but your calling always stays the same. Maybe you're going to change jobs. Maybe you move churches. Maybe you leave the state. Maybe you move to another country. It doesn't matter. When I was teaching here at, at Lakeside, I was dealing with kids that everybody was giving up on and trying to find a way to minister to these kids. It's the same thing. I'm just doing the same thing in a different area. Because God called me to a different place, but my calling was still the same. It didn't change. And so many times we think, oh, if I lose my job, if this changes, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, we're just going to keep living for Christ. Because God promises that he'll take care of us. He says we're more important than the birds, and he takes care of the birds. Paraphrasing, but it's more or less what it says. <laughs> we got to have faith. We got we to gotta trust. We got we to gotta put down our safety nets and just say, God, you got to be first priority. And no matter who we are in this room, maybe some of us have been Christians for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe some of you walked in today thinking, oh, I'll check out church and see what it's about. How are we going to get God as a first priority? Maybe you've never even considered God on your priority list. But the Bible is very clear. It says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, God will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Are you willing to take that first step today? Maybe some of us have taken that first step. Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you willing to really put him first? And what kind of things keep creeping into that? Everybody in here, you know. You know what goes first in your life at times. You know when your priorities shift, what ends up in that first priority. Everybody in here is a little bit different. What's taken over that first spot, and how can we make sure that that doesn't go into number one ever? What can we do? How can we plan ahead? How can we, who can we talk to to make sure that that doesn't happen again? I know Chuck and Kim are always willing to talk to people. I'll be here if you want to talk to me after the service. I'm probably not a long-term solution. But there's plenty of people in this church. Our prayer team, they would love to hear your story. They would love to be praying for you. They would love to support you, an accountability partner of some kind, whatever it might be. But how do we get there to say, God, you're my first priority. You're the reason I have these gifts. Here's how I'm going to use them for you. How do we set that up? So I want to take a minute of just silent prayer that we can just reflect on our own lives and say, man, what can I do to get this right? And then I'll close it. Let's pray.
Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time that we can come and, and worship you and, and just dive into your word a little bit and just know you better, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for the, the blessings and the gifts that you have given to each one of us in this room, Lord. And we just pray that if we're, we're not using our gifts in the way you want or whatever it might be, Lord, if you're not the first priority in our life, that you would just clearly show us, Lord, that you would just give us that kick in the butt that we need to just really live for you. We just pray that when we wake up in the morning that, that, we, would make, that we would make the devil nervous about what we're going to do that day. That he would find ways to derail what we're trying to do for you. We pray that we would never be content in our situations, Lord, that we could always just strive to, to do more for you and to reach other people. Whatever that situation might be, wherever you have placed us, Lord. Lord, you've given us all different gifts to put us all in different situations to reach certain people. Whether that's a lot of people or a few, it doesn't matter. We just pray that every moment of every day that we're right where, you're, where you want us to be and that we're just working for you in the, in the manner that you want us to work for you and that everything else would just be an afterthought, that everything else is just details. We just thank you again for, for this time of year, Lord, what you did for us to humble yourself to come and save us, Lord. And there's nothing we can do to pay that back, Lord. That was the ultimate gift. And we just pray that we would always keep that in mind, especially during this season as we, we have all the distractions of Christmas time, that we just know that, that you're the reason that we're doing all of this, that you're the reason that we have these gifts, these talents, these callings, these whatever. And we just pray that the calling that you have given to each one of us to serve you, Lord, that, and to lift you up would always be at the forefront of our minds. We just pray all these things, Lord. I just thank you again for this church and the blessing that they've been to, to me and my family. And we just pray that you continue to bless them and, and to continue to grow this church. And we just pray all these things in your name. Amen.